0: attention attention please the camp ojibla history podcast is on the air Hello and welcome to the Camp Ojibwa History Podcast. My name is Christopher Thomason. I'm your host for this and many, many more trips down memory lane. The Camp Ojibwa History Podcast is a podcast dedicated to collecting the stories, the history, the memories of Camp Ojibwa for Boys in Eagle River, Wisconsin, founded 1928. This week's guest on the podcast, Andy Ross. That's right. Andy Ross was my guest. Uh, He was one of my interviews on the road. I went to Seattle and bumped into Lou Meger, And Lou Mager told me a great story about how he had this uh, student in one of his classes. And the student and the mother of the student. And they started talking about camp. And the next thing you know, they both went to a summer camp at different times in their life. Many moons ago in the northern woods of Wisconsin. And all of a sudden, the Camp Ojibwe network gets a little bit closer. And that's how I got to Andy Ross. So it was awesome to go out to his house, hang out, catch up. Find out all about his story. Before we get to that, it's a beautiful day at Ojibwa, uh, as promised. Second episode of the week. Again, I apologize for last week, uh, but we're back stronger than ever. So enjoy this. If you don't have your brick yet, of course, head over to campojibwahistory.org, click on Walk of Fame, and you can pick up your Walk of Fame commemorative brick right there. It'll go right in the Collegiate Week bench area. So get on top of that if you want to. There will be a lot of fun news coming in the very near future about OJ90, the 90th summer celebration next May. Keep your eyes and ears open all over the place for that. You're going to hear a lot of news about that, but uh, you can always just check in with OJ90.com and see what's going on. Okay, enough of that. Here we go. Andy Ross on the Camp Ojibwa History Podcast. So first and foremost, for the record,
1: please say your name and... For the record. So I'm Andy Ross. I started at camp in 1983. Um, I was there through 1994, but I took one year off uh, in 89. So I I think that is a, you know, an excusable offense.
0: (laughs) Certainly (laughs) acceptable. So uh, what neighborhood did you live in in Chicago?
1: Yeah, so um, I actually grew up in downtown Chicago. Um, I had initially actually was born in Highland Park and uh, I lived in, in Deerfield for the first eight years. Um, And then I moved downtown when I was uh, eight and grew up downtown. And so um, I had, you know, the, the, the thing for me was, which was really cool about camp and I always try to tell my daughter this, um, both of my daughters, this is that I had friends, you know, during school. And then I had my summer camp friends, which was a completely different, you know, it, it was a completely different, um, uh, group of people. Yeah. And so, um, you know, it, it, used to be what used to have, what used to happen is that they had a, um, a bus that left from the Adler planetarium.
0: Okay.
1: So the bus left from the Adler planetarium and the kids from the city and the kids, who came from out of town. So there was a couple of kids who came from San Diego. Oh, sure. Um, the Copans, the the, right? The, the Copans. And then there was a guy named Brent Kohler who came from San Diego for a couple of years. And Todd Sachs always came from... And, and, and Aunt Todd and Andy always came from San Diego. And so it was like the kind of out-of-towners and the downtown kids. And there was only a couple of us. And then there was Adam Stein. And Adam Stein um, grew up in Topeka. But his grandmother... Um, had a place in Chicago. And so Adam Stein, who again is one of my closest friends to this day, um, he and I would always be on the Adler Planetarium bus. Nice. And so, th- but the Adler Planetarium bus would then become, I think, the bus that left from Eden's Plaza or um, Ravinia. It was either one of the two, but you would have to make a stop on your, on your way. So that was actually, that, that's the, the, the best part is that it gave me an entire, you know, group of friends that I would never, ever have access to. And it didn't really matter because I wouldn't see these guys for an entire year, We'd go to camp, we would hang out for two months and, um, you know, battle in the pineapple league. (laughs) And then, (laughs) and, and, and then, we would all go home and, you know, most of them would go back to Highland Park or the North Shore and I would go back to downtown. I kept in touch with a couple of people. But then the next summer, it was like we had never left. And to this day, you know, I still have some of my very best friends are my friends from summer camp. And I, and I tell that to people all the time.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. So, 83, your Cabin your 1. How old are you?
1: Um, so in 83, I was nine.
0: Okay. So you're nine years old. And is it Mickey who comes, uh, do they come over and do like a camp call? Yeah.
1: So Mickey came over and I don't even know if he had like VHS back then. I think they brought like this. It, it, it was almost like a it could have been a film strip. I have no idea, or it, it may not have been a film strip. Or they, I think they like brought a movie. Like oh, it was sure. you know real to real. This is Camp Ojibwa, and you know some some guy ca- called you know Mickey. And you're a kid. You're like oh sweet. This guy's name is Mickey. That is so cool. Yeah sure. Um, and Mickey came over to. Um, I remember when we went to the to the meeting. Right. We you met at someone's house. We met at this guy Andrew Friedman's house. Yeah. And he, he went to camp for a while and um, we all met there and they showed us the movie and what was not to like. right? <laughs> and, and, and again, in, in, in those days, what would happen is you would show up at the bus, right? Whatever. And, and again, the bus was big. There was like Toys R Us bus. There was the Ravinia bus. Oh, there sure. was Eden's Plaza and there was, it was only eight weeks. So you couldn't go for let four weeks and, there was no calling home, right? There was no calling home. There was nothing. It was, it, you only could call home if it was your birthday. That was it. And you would go to the bus and Elliot would come out and he would make his usual announcement. He would say, you know, parents give the boys a kiss because once they get on the bus, they're not getting off the bus. And that was it. And then we'd all get on the bus, the door would close, and you would see your parents one day right they would come there was not like this visiting five days and, right, no sure. it was one day um and that was it and yes. so you 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 went you got you, you signed up basically they closed the door on the bus you were gone you would write like a one sentence letter home when they made you <laughs> and what again right. what was not to like yeah, right absolutely you played sports all summer i mean how, how could it have been worse <laughs>
0: So you started out in cabin one. Uh, do you remember who any of your guys were in that cabin with you, cabin mates or counselors?
1: So um, the I remember that my counselor was a guy named Steve Jaffe. Okay. Um, you know later of Jaffe, Friedman, Dewey, whatever it was, tax accountants, sure. right? I, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> No, I, I don't know. I don't think Steve Jaffe, I don't think was part of that, right? I, I don't think you... It was Bobby Jacobson who was yes. with Elliot.
0: Steve has some connection to Elliot. They're very close yes. in the real world, um, but I don't know if it's a business thing
1: or... Yeah, no. It, but, you know, Cabin one. Um, Steve Jaffe was um, uh, in that... Was, was my counselor, I remember. Um, I was in that cabin with Todd Sachs... Um, I was in that cabin. God, I can't even remember the other people who were in that cabin. Um, But so what ultimately would happen after, you know, after a couple summers, you would you you essentially got into so there was two cabins that was that was our age group. Right. right? And you would kind of move along together. But they tried really hard to keep you with the um, same people. Every year, right? So, you so the
0: even cabin, you'd be in the even cabin each time.
1: Exactly. So if you're... you're so, and that, that's really what it was. I think, you know, Todd Annixter. I think, was in cabin one with me, and Jeffrey Hammer, and Jason Wollin, Um And, you know, some of these guys I'd known, because i you know, we'd gone to preschool together, oh, right? Sure, Jason Wollen, yeah. I'd gone to preschool with him. And, you know, so... But the, the, we started out in, in cabin one together. And then, you know, then we were in cabin three, and... um you know, kind of moved our way down the line, but you were really with the same group of guys for the most part the entire time.
0: Nice.
1: And I will tell you, I do remember showing up the first time, you know, and you like get up there and there was Mickey, right? And he had, Mickey had this whistle, right? He had this certain way of blowing the, that whistle that was you could hear that thing, I think, in downtown Eagle River, right? And, and so, like, that was the deal. Like, you know, and that was the first thing they they would they would tell you was, you know, when you hear that whistle, you have to, like, go and line up. And, you know, it was semi-military-esque, right? You'd have to go and line up. And there was flags going up and down. And they had the bugler. And it was, you know, on days when, like, the bugler would, would be sick, um, and it was either Paul James or one of the Zimring boys would be blowing the, the they okay. had a, like a, and they had a real bugle. Sure. Actually, the other guy who was the bugler at that time was a guy named Chris Mack, and um, you know they had but they had like a real bugle and they would the guy would stand out of the mess hall and blow the you know call and we'd have to all run there and stand in a line. Awesome. Um, I remember you know and I also remember Al and Pearl and you know it was it was very much you know you, you it was you were very deferential to what was going on at that head staff table right sure, that was like sure. i don't want to go near I there go you know on. you know and they had the they had the red light and if everybody was too loud pearl would there was a buzzer in there too and yeah. she would you know hit the buzzer so everybody would be quiet and you know i, I remember getting up for calisthenics in the morning and it was oh. freezing cold <laughs>
0: cool.
1: It was always freezing cold, right? And the grass was always wet. Sure, sure. And you'd have to go there and somehow doing finger flicks um, with ale was supposed to make you healthier. <laughs> right uh-huh. if you flicked your fingers you know uh, so you would be healthier and then of course the the ritual dipper shower right
0: and now dipper shower seems to be pretty divisive were you more of a dip. dip
1: because you were in and out right, right. i mean you didn't like the, the shower you have to go in there by the time you would make it in there it was the, the water was lukewarm and it was you know, you'd have to trudge through that shower house the dip you would just go down there get in the water and you were done Right, (laughs) you could go back, and you know you're, you know, one and done, in and out.
0: Uh, Dipper shower is long gone. However, uh, Denny is really trying to resurrect it. He thinks that we should bring, maybe not the full naked version. That's right. In some (laughs) version, he thinks it would be useful for camp.
1: That's right. I think in the 80s, it was okay and acceptable. And, you know, I I think um, these days they would probably require webcams Uh and like, you know, parental consent and signatures and um, the lawyers would have to get involved, (laughs) I suppose.
0: Very much so. That's right. In your days, I mean, you got on the bus, that was it. You got on the bus, door closed, see you in eight weeks.
1: That was it. We'll see you in four weeks. And, 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 you know, the thing was, it it was very formal. Like the, 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 there was, there were certain rituals at camp that were, you know, that was it. Like, that's how it went Friday night. You had to wear the white pants and like the white Ojibwa shirt. And, you know, um, uh, Mark Levy would get up and we would, and and um, Mark would always, you know, say kiddish. And then we would have um, uh, Pearl would always, you know, light the Shabbos candles. And, and and they always served this horrendous pot roast on Friday nights. I mean, it was just horrible. It was horrible. And, um, you know, and so that was, but it, it was very ritualized, right? I mean, we just kind of, you know, and, and what's what's incredible is that you got these, you know, snot-nosed kids you know, and a lot of them, right? I mean, I think camp has like gone through this phase where, you know, they had a ton of kids and then towards 87, when things like got sold and when the ownership changed hands, um, I think census numbers went down and now it's booming again, but you know, you would get 200 plus kids and they would all go into the mess hall and they would sit down on Friday night and they would be quiet. And it was just, you know it was a ritual yeah, so absolutely. um you know it it was um it, it, and and so there was a there was a kind of you know it, there was you knew about it right you knew it was going to happen and new kids you know would it would only take them a couple of weeks to to kind of get into the traditions and again the the other piece was there was visiting day right and right. um visiting day was <clears throat> one day and basically you were required to shower in the morning.
0: It was always the same. That's fair. That's fair.
1: And actually, they used to have barbers come.
0: I was going to say, were you there for the barbers? I yeah. I heard about the yeah. barbers.
1: So they used to have like these <laughs> old-fashioned barbers from Eagle River would come and you could get your haircut on the ping pong tables in the rec hall. i like, you know, you'd have to go sign up for hair cutting. Sure. And, you know, so, you know... You'd go and get your hair cut and they would make you look presentable. Um, they would make sure that you, you know, Denny used to say you, you can't have moss on growing on your teeth. And Al Al used to give the standard speech. He, used, he would stand up there and he would talk about soap. Um, okay. Well, the big thing was they used to have bars of soap in those shower houses and people used to chuck the bars of soap at each other. And Al would had a classic speech about no throwing soap in the shower, you know, but then he would tell us to use it. And so that was the thing. It was called super clean up and super scrub up, right? And so that you were like forced to go into the shower and they made sure you were clean, presentable. And again, you'd put on your white outfit, right? right? The white Ojibwe shirt and the staff had like these awesome 1970s, like big fly collar shirts that they would like wear. And, you know, it was it was totally, you know, and, and then... At a certain time, they would, you know, the parents would go on the far field, and um, that's where they would park, and then they would let the parents in. And every single year, the first parent in was Carol Boehm, um, uh, Adam and Brett's mom, and she would be the first one onto the campgrounds, and she would be like sprinting across. I can still remember this every single year without fail. Yep, Mrs. Baum was always the first one on the uh, on the campgrounds. Nice,
0: we have a little uh, garden area there in front of yeah. um, some of the cabins. I've seen it's Carol's garden. So yeah, still gets tended to today. Uh, so you you mentioned a little bit about the transition of the camping. You are 9, 10, 11, 12 in that time period. Thirteen. Do you have a sense of that happening, or like, do you, as a camper do you feel any different or anything? Or Not really. Like the next same thing? It was
1: you know you just. It, the weird thing was that there was less kids there, right? And I think there was like this big issue of okay, what's going to happen? And um, there, there, there was just less kids. And I remember some of the cabins, you know, they had turned one cabin into um, like a campers lodge or something. It had you know, the latest and greatest Apple E computer, you know, and you could go sure. in there and I'm not sure what you did. I mean, I don't know who was in the computer place, but, um, you know, at Camp. that's right. That's summer Camp. <laughs> like, you know, but, um, you know, it just, there, you could tell that the census at, at that time was, was just lower. There was, <clears throat> there was less kids there and, and, you know, it, like all things, you know, everything is kind of subject to change. And I think what they, what they did though, was keep a lot of the old traditions that, you know, that, that kind of were the foundation of, of sure. camp. Right. So, um, so you didn't really, I, I mean, again, I can't really remember noticing, you know, we talk about like the old Ojibwa and the new Ojibwa, right. but, um, frankly at the time it really didn't seem significantly different.
0: Yeah. It's funny. I mean, everyone at camp is, um, sort of classically, traditionally resistant to change. Of course. About, can't, we've always, but two years after you start doing something, they think they've always done it that way.
1: That's right. Exactly. <laughs> so
0: when you do actually change something, it's like, oh, yeah, we've always done it.
1: Exactly. There's
0: always been third place in collegiate. <laughs> That's right.
1: <laughs> not, not you know, not. I don't believe in that. It was only first or second. But really, it was only one, only one of those, you know, actually mattered. <laughs>
0: exactly. Right? Exactly. I did hear some justification that, you know, now there's 12 teams. So because there's 12 teams, having three places makes sense. And
1: we even had 13 teams one year. That's right. It's true. But, you know, what really mattered, I don't know if they still have it, but they used to have this old wooden board. And it had, it was like a chalkboard. It was, it was like, it had wood. it was a wooden board with circles in it. Okay. And, you know, when they picked the teams, the, they would slide these pieces of like blackboard in there. Oh, I see. And it had the pennant on it right and so you know so one team would be you know someone was always Indiana someone was always Michigan someone was always Michigan State it's the Midwest right and they would slide that piece in and, and really what you were and then they would it would be in the orders right the order of places and you really wanted to see sure. and every then every day they would go in there and they would write it up in chalk you know <laughs> this is this is you know um, you know here's how many points you have and somehow you, you, you would end up with a half point of or course. something like that but yeah, I mean make sure That's right, and and again, there was only one Collegiate Week, right? That was it. It was one week, and that was the deal, right? And that's what you kind of live for.
0: Absolutely. What's your uh, what's your history with Collegiate Week uh,
1: record-wise? So um, I have won the week. Very nice. And it's actually it's a really good story. So I I I think this is this is important to get on the on the Ojibwa history blog. I would say (laughs) on, on the podcast. So in 1988. Um, it was my first year in cabin 13. Okay. And, um, so, you know, there's in that, at that time, there were three different age groups in cabin 13. Right. And so, you know, and, and, those, you know, those kids, you, you, go from like scrawny to, to, to brawny, right? right. I mean, cause just kids are at different ages and, you know, so we were our, it was our first year in 13 and there were more kids that could go in 13 than, than would fit. And so what they did was, um, they had a, they had a, like a lottery, Right. They had like a like a you know, they, okay. they chose out of a hat. OK. And I, I mean, I don't know how they really did it, but they said that they chose out of a hat. And there was something called an annex, which was cabin 12 was like the annex. Okay. Sure. And so some of the, the kids in the same age group lived in cabin 12 and then the rest lived in in cabin 13. And again, that so so I think that year is really important to understand, because again, I don't know if it's happened since that time, but Elliot will tell you that it was his worst year ever at Camp Ojibwa. And the reason (laughs) that it was his worst year ever at Camp Ojibwa was that um, uh, the the group of potentials really that year terrorized the man, okay, (laughs) to the point where, you know, there was continuous, like, we got sent to bed. Right. And, you know, here are a group of, you know, teenage <laughs> punks. Right. And you got this, you know, you got Elliot telling you, go to bed. Do you think that's really going to happen? So so what he would do, right, so it's just not the way that it's going to happen. So what would happen, I mean, routinely, he would, just go to bed. Okay, fine. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll all go to bed. Right. And, and so the lights would go off. And I remember one night, those guys, they right there was the big four. Right. Do they still have the big four? Right. Sure. There were four people lived in that cubicle. And what these guys did was they stacked up a bunch of chairs, okay, in, fr- in front of the big four, which is where the counselor's porch, it's like the path of egress out of the counselor's porch. Right, and then in the in the middle of the night, they turned on the music really, really loud. And Elliot comes running out and the chairs go crashing down. I mean, you know, but in any event, you know, that 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 was a, a remarkable year. But, yeah. you know, getting back to collegiate week, so... And I showed you the the pictures before we were looking through, you know, my, the old camp picture books, you know, we were these scrawny little kids, right? I mean, scrawny teenagers. And so remember that collegiate week goes, um, by age, right? Um, and so it's really has less to do with, um, what cabin you're in or whatever, um, the teams and how you match up in team events, is all based on how old you are. So it doesn't matter what pick you were, right? You could be the last pick. You could be the hat pick. I don't think they do that anymore, but you could be the hat pick. But um, if you were the oldest guy on the team, you were still the oldest guy on the team, right? right? And, And so... Um, we were on, um, that year I was on Illinois and Ari Mincer, um, was the first pick and I got taken on what was called the one, two turn, right? So, so if there was 10 teams, right. And you were first pick, if you were the the 10th pick, you get 10 and two, one, right. And so I I was kind of taken on the one, two turn, I think. And I was, I was the second round pick and Ari was the first round pick and, and rightly so, I mean, Ari was a terrific athlete and, um, and so we were, we were Illinois. Um, I think our coaches, our coaches were, I think Kevin, oh no, Howie Ankin was what was, was one of my coaches. I can't remember who the other coach was, but in any event, um, and you're going to want to fact check the Howie Yankin issue. <laughs> sure. I'm not a hundred percent sure. Can't really remember, but so the week went along, you know, it, it was, it, it, it was the, the week was, was you know, went along and it was gone. And it basically came down to the last team event the, and everybody knew it, right? It, it, it came down to the last, the entire week was coming down to the last team event. Wow. And, um, <clears throat> it was, and the last team event was box hockey and it was our team, Illinois, um, versus, I think we were playing Oklahoma. All right, I think, I think that's what, that was the team that we were playing. But in any event, it was us versus them. And it was, that was it, right? It was all coming down to that. And sure. again, if you remember anything about team events, right? There, some of them were crazy. Absolutely. Okay, slap shots. All right, so <laughs> do they even still allow that, right? Uh, okay, so, so, so here was what <laughs> slap shots was, all right? You would basically, you would set up a goal mm-hmm. behind the baseline of a tennis court. Right, so the, the goal was behind the baseline, and one guy started as goalie, and the other guy was the shooter, and the shooter was at the tee, right? You know, the T of a of a tennis court where they have the, the boxes, right? So so it's not that far away, right? And you would you would so the guy who was the goalie would be set up in the goal, and the other guy would be the shooter, and he would take that you know come up that, and then they had this like that plastic puck. And if you sure. hit it the right way, I, I mean, you, it was, it was crazy. Like if you hit that puck the right way it and, and it, and you were the goalie and it hit you, I mean, it was not pleasant. Right. Okay. You're so not, you're wearing a chess protector. No, but guys would show up with like, like towels stuffed in them. Yeah. And you know, there was no, it's not like you had like big pads on. Right. No, you, you basically had the goalie stick and the, you had your <laughs> baseball mitt and your goalie stick and the goalie stick was, was the piece of plastic on the stick was just a little wider. It kind of looked like a right. dozen. And then at some point, you, they gave us goggles, like, th- like those really horrible oh, plastic no goggles, guys. right? Oh. No, no, at some point you got goggles. And then I think at some point you got a mask. But they basically said, okay, you go in there and, you know, and, and you're up, in, and, and that was like team events, right? And it was mano a mano, right? That was it, like just came down to that. I mean, yeah, there were like things like free throws and hot shots. Fine, ping pong. I mean, okay. ping pong could get intense. You know, sure. David Rosen, by the way, was notorious for throwing the ping pong paddle. Like, like just when he would lose, he would take that <laughs> ping pong paddle and throw it against that wall in the rec hall. <laughs> notorious. But <clears throat> so, so this this event, uh, this was box hockey, and it just t- so happens that I was the oldest guy on the team. So, at least, as, although I was went second pick that year, I was the oldest person on our team, okay. and so. You know, the, the team that we were playing, their first pick and the oldest guy on their team was David Sears. And David was, you know, David was a terrific athlete and he was like chiseled out of stone. Okay. I mean, <laughs> he, he, you know, he, he was like the, the, the kind of guy that, you know, if you were the, the scrawny little kid, you, like you were, you, you really didn't want to go up against sure. him. Right. <laughs> so you're sitting there and we're all, we're going to be the last ones to go. And you're just praying, you're hoping and praying like, okay, I, I just hope this ends, you know, before he it comes, th- like someone clinches it, you know, and <laughs> at a certain point you're like, God, I don't even care if it's, if it's us, you know, it's going to come down, you know, uh, hopefully, you know, and hopefully it doesn't come down to, to, to just me versus this guy you know and so um lo and behold it comes down to me versus david sears (laughs) for the entire collegiate week and by this point the entire camp is there of course and um the entire camp is there everybody knows that you know this is happening and so you know we we get up there and the way that box hockey works is you know you gotta you, you take those at the time, I don't know if they still have it, but you had like the old-fashioned field hockey sticks, right? But they were like the ricketiest, oldest. Like they had like some tape on them, right? And there are specific rules to box hockey, right? You cannot fall off the box. You cannot put your hand in the box. You cannot do any of that stuff, right? And um, in any event, you do you, what you do is you go one, two, three, and then you go, right? And they and they put like a like a league ball, a baseball you know, on the middle and that those boxes, they probably have changed them since that time, but they were like worn down a oh, little right. bit in the middle. I think they may still That's right. May they have the boxes. same ones. Right. <clears throat> so, so sometimes you could get lucky because if you were quick on the draw, you know, you go one, two, and, 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 and you know, D- you know, David was, we, 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 you know, hit once and boom, like my, my stick was going back. You know, the guy, I, I knew he was pretty fired up and, you know, I was just trying not to, to make a fool of myself. So, you know, we go one, two, three, and the first one I got lucky and I hit the ball and right in the goal. Okay. Oh, wow. And so, you know, and I think, you know, box hockey is, what is it the best? It's two out of three or you got it. It's best two out of three. Right. So you got to get to, uh, you know, so, so I was up one to nothing. Then you switch sides and, and did. And, and again, I don't, I don't remember really how, um, how, it, whether or not it was, it was two to one or two to nothing. I, I I can't really remember that. I'm just, it was it was many, many years ago, but sure. um, I ended up winning um, that box hockey game. And I just remember everyone going crazy. And I like, at a certain point, I don't even know, someone picked me up and oh, we were yeah, running sure. around. And, oh yeah, oh, the whole cabin And it was like unbelievable, you know? And there's a couple of good stories that came out of this. So um, it turns out that, David, David Sears, who we were playing against, right, um, I was, you know, a, a, the thing about Collegiate Week is you'd have Collegiate Week, then you'd have to go back to leagues, right? And then right. you had, like, playoffs and championships.
0: Right. In those days, Collegiate Week was the sixth week of camp. We That's right. Do it now, but...
1: That's right. So, 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 you know, you, you'd you finish this week, and it was so intense, and then you'd go back, and you'd, you know, finish. So, you know, David Sears was not happy with me at that time, and we ended up winning the week, and, you know, it was it was cool because I don't know if they still do it this way, but, you know, Paul used to go up and they would play the piano, right? And they would say, and in 10th place, you know, and that one was really quick. And in ninth place, and, that, the, and then you get to the top two, top three teams. And Paul would start playing, you know, the Michigan fight song. And then he would go into another fight song. And, and then like Denny would go crazy and announce the name. And so, you know, so, so we won the week. And David Sears was so mad at me that uh, we were on the same floor hockey team together. And he traded me in a last minute wow. trade. Yes, he, he traded me off of his, his floor hockey team. Um, and we ended up facing each other in the, in the championship. And we once again won. And wow. so, you know, it was, it was one of those things. That's yeah, so Yeah. So, so, and the best part of that story is that my best friend from summer camp, um, my best friend from summer camp, who is Adam Bohm, um, Adam, Adam ended up marrying David's sister, so it's a really, really small world. But you know, I, I don't get invited to. You know, I, I might not get invited to all the family functions, but you know, it's just, it's just the way it goes, right? It's just the way it goes. You know, I think the oh, the, the old memories die hard, and there is nothing bigger, you know, than the week. But that was the time that you know the week came down to that final, the, the final team event, and the final. You know um, the, the the final um, play in that team event, and so it was it was an intense time, and uh, I think you know it's it's funny because there are kids who've who've never. I've never met and I was never, you know, contemporary with whom I was never contemporary at camp and they've come to me, Oh, I've met them or I've gone up to visit. Oh, you're the guy from, you know, box hockey. So (laughs) (laughs) it's a funny story. (laughs) Yeah, it is. a, And and so it was, it was a remarkable, memorable year. I will tell you that.
0: Now, did you come back and coach the week?
1: Uh, I did. I don't think that I ended up faring so well. Um, but, um, I, you know, again, it's a little, I I always say this, I I say, you know, I I can die a happy man because for a few reasons, um, all of my sports teams have won championships, right? The Blackhawks, the Bears in my lifetime, right? The Blackhawks, the Bears, the White Sox, um, uh, Michigan has won national titles in my lifetime. So, you know, I'm good and I won the week, right? (laughs) You only, it's one of those things you only need to win it once, Right. right? right? You, you, you don't need to win it More (laughs) than once. I mean, nobody remembers if you won it two times or three times. You just had to win it once. once. Yeah, absolutely. That's
0: fantastic. Camp is rife with uh, athletic stories. I mean, it's a sports camp. That's part of what we do. What were your what were your favorite sports while you were there?
1: Um, I used to love. um, Well, I used to love floor hockey. I thought that was a blast. Yeah, hockey was great. (laughs) Um, uh, I and I used to I used to really like the all of the different. uh, league uh, softballs, right? I mean, I, th- I think that's a really unique part about camp, right? The kids grow up playing baseball. I mean, it, it, at Ojibwa, you went and you played 12-inch softball, which was fun, really fun, yeah. right? When you were when you were a little kid, and then you move up to pineapple league, and it, you'd have a 14-inch ball, right? It could still fit in your mitt, and then. Then you played in the watermelon league and you played with clinchers and that's like old school, right? And you would just pray and hope that the ball, you know, the, the worst was when you got into like the championship and they'd have that new ball and you oh, were playing center field, sure. you know? And, yeah. you know, you were playing center field and the, you know, the guy who could really hit the ball because you could nail that thing. Yeah. And it's the French fresh clincher on your fingers. I think, you know, there were many a trip to Eagle River Memorial for splints because of a fresh clincher clincher, right? I think I think that's that's You, you, you can take that one to the bank. So I, you know, th- that was that was the best part. And at a certain point, they put in lights on the lake courts, right? Yes. And so that was like a big deal. Although I'm not sure they counted on how many bugs there were, right? right? It was like it was a great idea, but I could just always remember the the number of bugs that were up in that yeah. um, up in that area. So,
0: so at that time, was softball still the sport or had basketball because basketball was sort of taken over as the popular sport? But for most of Kansas' existence, softball was the main sport. That's right. So you're kind of right in that. T-
1: Time here. So absolutely, and, and, it, and it coincided with Michael Jordan, I right? It I mean, it, it was all about Michael Jordan, and and um the so basketball became uh, very big, and a lot of this coincided with what you did during the school year, right? So kind of what you like. So I, I was downtown. We didn't have you know at Latin school, we didn't have a football team, right? And so you know, we played football in the park on Sundays, you know, after we watched the Bears game with our friends, but we, we didn't have like a, you know, junior varsity and a varsity right. football team. We had soccer, but soccer was like, you know, there you were, it was kind of like a one-off sport at Ojibwa, sure. right? I mean, not many people played it and there were a few of us who did and it just wasn't a big deal. So we kind of like forgot about it during the summer.
0: It's surprisingly still sort of that way. I mean, the littler kids play, the two bottom-age groups play, but it's shocking to me that even with the... the
1: Explosion, yes. being very popular yeah, yeah.
0: It's <clears> just not uh, it won't stick for the older guys.
1: But hockey, no, but but basketball became you know big, and um, it was you know the, the good news about basketball is that there was always a role for for anybody, right? Sure. And so, because and, and the and the cool thing was is that people could score out. Right. And so if you scored out, like that was it. And so everybody it was a it was a it was a great thing because everybody, you know, could get involved in the game and it it, you know, there were guys who were awesome. At basketball right? right just like there were guys who were awesome at softball and some people were unique they were great at all of the different sports um uh, I, I, you know basketball became big it was it was never my biggest sport and i kind of stopped playing basketball when i like kind of stopped growing and everyone got a lot bigger and sure. i did other things you know <laughs> but it was it, it was still you know fun to play at Ojibwe. Yeah. It was still good
0: nice so camp has always been known as a as an athletic place yeah um, especially the further back you go, the more sort of premier the athletes were. So during your time there, who were the big guys? Who were the guys who were like the athletes?
1: Yeah. So, you know, David Rosen was always, you know, the, you know, he, he was the one, one, you know, one of the years so that, you know, I was, I was much younger, but I was still a camper when David was a camper oh, okay. and when he was in cabin 13 and cabin 12 and, you know, so, so it was guys like that, um. John Michaelon, um, Ricky Michaelon, those guys I remember being, you know, terrific athletes. Actually, Adam Stein um, uh, was the guy was like, you know, he, he's one of those guys who's like good at everything, right? It, he's good at school, he's amazing at, you know, sports, and he was just a terrific athlete, and it was cool because you know, again, he came from Topeka and people are like, oh, you didn't come from Highland Park. You know, how, how could you be good at sports? Right. right? right. <laughs> and here's the guy and he would always come and he was a little bit look like he was a little disheveled all the time. And he kind of liked the Cubs because his grandma, um, his grandma lived in Chicago. So he always lived like the Cubs and he would come with a Cubs hat. He was the disheveled looking guy. And he was, he would destroy everybody on every one of the sports, on, on, on any sport field, right? At anything. Um, so, you know, those were, th- those guys were, um, I-, I, can remember being, you know, really, really the kind of the top athletes at yeah. the time.
0: Camp, even though we are a sports camp, um, camp always has had this other side and that's sort of the entertainment side. And so whether it's Intercap and Sing or the Jubilee or uh, stunt night, that's always been a part of it. Was that something you were a uh, part of, a big part of, a little part of?
1: I'm still devastated today that I was never an Ojibwa singer. No, I'm just kidding. They got those okay. really <clears throat> they got those really cool um jackets. Like the, the the so if you were like a really if you had a good voice, right? Okay. You got picked to be an Ojibwa singer. And I'm not sure what that meant except every year at um the 4th of July um you know, we would they would like line up and sing patriotic songs, right? Sure. And Denny would row in on some boat and he'd look and he would read this same story every year. He he would put on this like wig and and so he's like George Washington he was like George Washington, right? That's and he would right, come and they would row him in, you know, like he was, you know, crossing the Delaware <laughs> and he would come up and there was one guy with a bandage on. Right. And, and the Ojibwa singers would be out there and they had like those. They, they were like 1950s letterman's jacket with the Ojibwa Indian on oh, them. Okay. Yeah. And nice. and so those guys, you know, they would get those coats. And That's but cool.
0: was it like the um, it's all red and it has the big logo? That was it. That was, because yeah. before that, those were the bar mitzvah
1: jackets. That's right. right. Those were the bar mitzvah jackets. I see.
0: Okay. And th-
1: then they became the OJ Singers. and But they used to make you try out for the Jubilee, right? Because you'd sit there and Elliot would have like that towel on and he'd be like eating the towel. And you're like, what is going on here? My parents sent me here to play softball and this guy's making me sing Mary Had a Little Lamb. And you'd go to the counselor's lodge. and. and so <laughs> perfect. Exactly how it goes. Exactly. So, so you know, you would go there and, and, and then you would like have to go in the counselor's lodge, right? Which was really cool because you got to be in the lodge because they had, they had coke there, right? right? And that was another big deal. Like once every like three weeks, you got a cone of coke, right? They had these, they had these cups, those okay. silver cups, sure. cups and they had the cones. And, and once you, you could have, they would at lunch, you would have pizza and they would give you this cone and they would fill it up with co- Coke and that was all you were allowed, right? Oh, wow. But in any event, you went to the lodge and the lodge was like, you know, cool to go there because they had Coke machines and a pool table. And <clears throat> you'd have to stand there and Paul would be at the piano and um, they had like this code word, I think. And, and again, there was like this, this like code, right? And Absolutely. Elliot yeah. had this special code and you would get up there and you would, you, you would, you would sing <laughs> <laughs> and I I think it was a Little Lamb, yeah. and then they would say, like, a code, and that was it, right? And then you'd have to go, and it would be time for the Jubilee or Intercabin Sing, right? And they'd make you sing these songs, and it was bizarre, because again, just like everything else, right? If you think about it, just like um, going in for Friday night Shabbat and listening and sitting down and wearing your white outfit... like. You know, as weird as it was to get up there and sing show tunes, right, people did it. Now, right. I'm not saying that everybody knew the, the words, right? <laughs> well, sure. Sometimes we would stand up and mouth the words, but like the Jubilee was big business, right? So yeah. the parents would come and they would they had lunch. They, they in, in, in the olden days, the olden days, in the old Ojibwa, they had lunch for the parents. And it was always the same every year. It was barbecued beef. And they would have buffet tables all over the main campus and you would have lunch with your parents and you'd show them around and Otto, Otto the baker would make bow ties. And so they had bow ties and um, then you could leave camp for the day, right? And there, you know, Eagle River, the the amazing cuisine that is that is you know locally, you know, <laughs> so you, you would be super pumped because you could finally go to Dairy Dandy, I was gonna say, right? About, Dairy <clears> Dandy. You could finally go to Dairy Dandy, not having a food run, right? And and then you know you'd kind of schmey around for the day, and and then you would go to like the White Spruce or the White Stag, right? Which you know, probably has pretty shitty food, but for Eagle River, they would say NBFER, not so, bad for Eagle River.
0: We use that term for a lot. <laughs> That's right.
1: And, but, you know, so you'd go there, the but then you had to be back for the Jubilee. And in, and, you know, back in the day, um, Rita and Pearl um, and Rachel, they would be out there and they would actually like put makeup on you, right? So that yeah. you looked good yeah. under the lights that were, you know, and they had like these, this like, thing and it was like the, the lights you know that they looked like they made in the arts and craft shop right and it's still there. and you'd sit there <laughs> right they had these lights and they would be really bright and Elliot would yell curtain and then someone would be behind the red curtain and it would be like hur, 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 and they would open the curtain and then you'd get up there and you'd have to be on the risers you know and you would stand up there and sing and um, then they would come out and do the hand routine and then uh, visiting day was over and, um, then there would be like the certain number of kids who would cry when they played taps, right? Cause their parents left. And then like the next day, everything was fine. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and, and I actually think that they probably should never have even had visiting day, sure. right? They should have just put you in the bus, told you, see you in eight weeks. And if you can sneak a phone call when you come to, ta- when you get to go to town as the honor cabin, good for you. Yeah. Right. If not, we'll see you in eight weeks. Yeah, right.
0: Absolutely. It is interesting to me. Well, so now it's a whole weekend. So they right. come up on Friday, we do the show, and like, we moved it to make it earlier and easier for people to have dinner reservations. That's right. So we do the show at like 3.30, and they're out by 5, and they don't have to be back till Sunday morning, Sunday noon, I guess. And, you, and even that, to me, I mean, I get now you get to spend a whole two days, you actually get to go out of camp and stay somewhere, and it's even like a little mini vacation, I guess, for the parents. But even that just seems like so weirdly obligatory, like, just right. go to camp. <laughs>
1: Yeah, exactly. Okay. Just go. Yeah, just go. I mean, and your parents would have to come up, and they would, you know, jack them on these hotels that were horrible. Wow. My dad used to stay at this place called the o, the Oneida Village Inn because oh, sure. because he, he like, you know, was not the type of person who was going to get on the phone a year in advance and make the reservation. So it was kind of like the only place that was, you know, left. And, you know, there's no way you would stay there, this you know, these days, right? I mean, it's just... It, it, unless you were going there for a reason, right. it was like this disgusting old gross hotel that they, you know, probably jacked the parents for, you know, oh. 400 bucks a night That'd because be it bad. was visiting sure. day. Even in
0: those days, it was at least 150
1: bucks. Oh, day. totally. Absolutely. The Chanticleer, you know, oh. that place, you know, they, uh, I mean, those places where these just old crappy hotels and, and I think you're right. I think it's completely obligatory and they kind of have to do it and everyone's doing it and it's a competitive marketplace and I, I, I get that, you know, and, and, but it was, it was probably better when it was visiting four hours as opposed to visiting, you know, weekend.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's an interesting sort of, but like you said, and it's, it's so true about all of camp. It's ritual. So much of camp is, is these rituals. We totally. Do. And it's, that's what the, the tradition comes from. The history comes from, because so we just do it over and over and it becomes the thing we did. Not unlike the Braves. Were you a uh, Campbell Jimbo Brave?
1: A Brave, an officer, and a warrior. Oh, very
0: nice.
1: Yeah. I'm just mad I never got a ring. I think I built Denny into getting me one of the new warrior jackets, but we were just, again, looking at my my old satin one. That that
0: thing is beautiful.
1: And it's in mint condition. (laughs) And I will tell you, by the way, it is sitting in my trunk that I used to take to camp that is sitting in my garage that has a sticker on the front. I just went to get it out when you came here and the sticker on the front of the trunk says Eagle. Um, it, it says um, Alexander's pizza, Eagle river, Wisconsin. Nice. Yes.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. So you're there for Alexander's Xander's these days is, is, you know, it's it, it's Sanders. Yeah. Now I'll be honest with you. I'm not an old school Ojibwa I didn't start in in the eighties. So for me, I prefer Twelve Pines. Right, I know it's very controversial. Very controversial. It's better pizza. That's
1: just me. Well, the, well, there is a there's you know there, there's a lot of issues surrounding Alexander's, right? I will tell you that I was in the I don't know Vilas County Shopper advertisement for Alexander's. I am I was featured with Brett Bohm in a um, uh, Alexander's. Um, uh, ad in uh, the Vilas County, whatever the right. um, thrifty dollar, the thrifty dola- you know wh- whatever it was. But I, but you know, Alexander's was always fraught with controversy because you know Alexander himself was not the nicest man, oh, no. and and you know there there was a lot of you know people who you know probably didn't like the Jews in uh, northern Wisconsin. Just to put it bluntly, right. you'll probably edit that part out. No, but. No,
0: no, 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 <laughs> I will say allegedly, but he's yeah, al- allegedly,
1: allegedly He's allegedly anti-Semitic, but they made really good pizza, right? And there was kind of nothing like the food run when right. somebody would make you pay like $50 for a slice of pizza <laughs> and the and it would show up and it had that paper over it, oh, right? Yeah. It had that paper on it and there was like the grease soaking through the, the paper and it smelled so good, you know? So... The, so you know, despite the misgivings about the proprietor, um, I think the flip side is is that they made pretty damn good pizza and they had pretty fun video games. Right?
0: Well the video right? games, definitely an appealing part. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, especially being an old school video guy. I love going in and playing Tron, like you yeah. <laughs>
1: Exactly. Operation Game. Wolf, right? Oh, very and good. they had they had pinball there too. And they
0: did have pinball, and you could not really find that anywhere else in Eagle River.
1: No, exactly. And it's still you know, I, I have been up there recently and it looks they have not done anything to the place. Okay. Right? It's got that old carpet. And there's like carpet on the wall, and um,
0: I really want someone. I want to go in with someone who orders the albacore and shrimp. Pizza. Right, exactly. That's that's
1: right. That's uh, right. He
0: has. He does use boxes now. He's instituted a right. box charge, um, which again. I, <laughs> that's right. It's just so shynasty. But in that 50 dollar ad, what is so to me subversive? He's brilliant. Totally. Because his ad looks like an editorial written about a exactly. pizza exactly. That's right. It's really, I would say, it's road. It's keen marketing. Yeah, it absolutely, it doesn't look
1: anything like a hat. So I, you know, when I was a counselor, I was the camp shopper. I took over from, um, I took over from Brett Bohm, who was the previous camp shopper in the great line of camp shoppers.
0: I, and you're going to hand off to David Arbaugh?
1: I think I, I hand off to back. I think that's I how it goes. Yeah.
0: We talked forever because I also was a camp shopper for a couple of years. So it's very interesting.
1: That's, that's right. Interesting. So the lineage is very interesting. <laughs> but the best, so there was several really good parts about that job. Okay. First of all, um, in the beginning, you got to drive the Ojibwe wagon. Which was like this white Chevy Caprice, okay. Oh, that's nice. There's a guy named Steve Tepper, and I don't know if you met Steve when I'm you were not in met Florida, but so Steve Tepper had he had the second best car at Camp Ojibwa, which was the same Chevy Caprice wagon. That was amazing, and I mean his his car was amazing, and um, you know we spent m- many a nights in that car as counselors because Steve um, couldn't drink. And so, and and so Steve didn't drink, and so he was always sober. One Kenobi, and we would always be in the back of his car, you know. And it was this old 1983 wagon. No, I don't even think it was '83. I mean, it was must have been from the '70s, but it was perfect camp car. Perfect. But Ojibwa had a wagon too, and it it was it was a brown. It like had the brown, you know, wooden tape on the side. Yeah, it had the wood tape, the faux wood, and it, it was in white. It looked like it was made out of birch logs and it said on the side, Camp Ojibwa for boys. And these were the camp vehicles, right? So they had that. Mm-hmm. And then you had, um, so you had the wagon and then you had the um, red truck and the green truck, sure. right? The green truck was was where where they, they took all the garbage, mm-hmm. right? Martin Olson used to like drive around that green truck and they take that that, Absolutely. you know, and, and you'd say, hey, Martin, he'd be like, hey, I'm going to stick this screwdriver up your teaster. <laughs> thank you, Martin. Have a good day. And that he was really pissed at us because in, they used to burn things. They used to burn some garbage there. Oh, yeah, they had a burn pile and, oh. and they were like these cement grates. There were just cement pads with grates around the edge, and they would burn stuff, oh, and the, the fun thing to do was to go run down there while they were burning the garbage and throw your off can in there and oh. see what would happen. Oh, yeah. Wow. That, nice. So that's why Martin hated the campers. That's fair. But I digress. Getting back to you know, <laughs> being the camp shopper, the best part about that was, as a counselor, you got to avoid instruction, right? So you basically had to go in, bring the mail, get the mail. Um Sandy would make you go to the cleaners for her. You have to pick up the dry cleaning. And uh, you have to pick up the prescriptions, right? And so you you pick up the prescription. But then there was a lot of time left over. And so you could go to the to the drugstore and there was always cute girls that worked at the drugstore. And that's how I knew. So you could like spend time, you know, flirting with the girls at the drugstore and that's how I knew that I was in the Vilas County shopper or whatever it was. Cause I walked in, they said, Hey, you're in the newspaper today. And th- that's how I knew it. That's
0: amazing. That's right.
1: And then the, b- celebrity. that's right. <laughs> and, and, and then, you know, the other thing is that he, then you had a little bit of time to kill. Right. And so, whether well, there's two other good parts. So you had a little time to kill, right?
0: right? You're not trying to rush back. There's no reason to rush no back. No
1: way. Get. Stop, get a little something to eat. Sure. Right. Um, So that was okay. Right. That that was, that was not a problem. And the other thing was, is that they then transitioned it. It was like a Chevy Silverado or Suburban. It was like a Suburban, right. Mm -hmm. That they had. And, um, it had a really good tape deck in it. Right. They didn't have CDs, but you know, it had a good tape deck so you could take your tapes with you. And I can remember one time I was like coming back to camp and I had, really good music on, you know, I was window down, driving in, and I must have been going like 30 miles per hour up, you know, Ojibwe <laughs> Drive, you know, up to, to the, and Glenn Nesper came running, like sprinting, I was always scared of him, right, I mean, Glenn, you know, it's an intimidating, would, guy. It's an intimidating guy, and Glenn came running up, you know, like sprinting up, he's like, what are you doing, you know, driving so fast, I was like, oh, I didn't it, realize that I was doing that, you know. sorry. (laughs) Those were the perks of that job. I mean, everybody was always like, oh, why would you do that? One, you got more money, right? They paid you more, like an extra stipend to do that. And two, it was the best job in camp. You you, like left and you showed back up at noon in time for lunch, right? How could, how could that be bad?
0: And let's not ignore the the black market side of it, which was, hey man, here's 10 bucks. Can you bring me back to Mountain
1: Dew? So, so the black market, you know, how do you think you funded your, you know, eating excursions in town, right. there was no change, right? Never oh, you know, Josh Barnett, who, you know, who, who was, was my age when we were, and we were counselors, he'd be like, Hey man, can you, I, he, he used to like to get his clothes dry cleaned. He'd be like, can you bring my dry cleaning? And I absolutely. He's like, here's my, there's no change. Wait, there, he's, he's there was, a
0: staff guy, at least, yeah, a yeah, okay. no, no, well, but still. Yeah, no, staff
1: <laughs> guy. There was no change, right? There was, there was no change allowed for, for, yeah. for the black market side of, of camp shopper, right? None at all. <laughs> None um, at all. Zero. Yeah. And you got to know everybody in town, right? You knew the people at the Ace Hardware and uh, the people I, at I, Triggs.
0: I really liked that part. I liked really kind of becoming a townie. Now. Totally. Because then when you went off the bars later, you run into Dada, you run into Pete. Exactly.
1: Exactly. You knew you town. knew everybody. Yeah. <laughs> no, absolutely. So the big bars at the time were um. Well, it was in-laws was the one that we used to that w- that we used to go to, right? Yeah. And there was like event, occasionally they would like come in on a raid or whatever, you know. And you'd have to like you'd always scope out the back exit to the place, right? So you knew, you know, just where in just in case, like where the hell you were going to go, and it usually led you to some swamp, mm-hmm. and um, it, it usually led to, you to like some swamp with mosquitoes and everything else. And so there was in-laws, and then. Sometimes you could go to like the village corner or maybe the, no, village tavern. Okay. The village tavern was in town, but then you, you would get kind of towny in there, right? I mean, that was, that was always a little bit um, uh, tough, the village tavern. And then um, there was another place called Flex. Uh, F L E K apostrophe S. So there was a place called Flex, um, but you we used to go a lot to in-laws, yeah. right? That was kind of the kind of the the joint. And I mean, I I could remember, you know, as a counselor, sometimes you know coming home with the sun coming up, you yeah. know, yeah. and you you'd get back into bed, you know, and then the next morning they'd be blowing that horn and they would come in and you know, they, they, you know, I'm. Glenn Nesper would be in I'll your face with it, that right. wisp that whistle and it'd be like six o'clock in the morning or whatever, <laughs> seven thirty. And you know, yeah. it was uh
0: because in is like a little it's basically in someone's yard. And so the closing time can be a little bit Yeah,
1: easier. you know, exactly. And and so really and again, another advantage of being camp shopper, right? You didn't have to get your butt out of bed to go instruct. You get up. You have breakfast, you get in the car, you do what you need to do, and if it was a rough night, you could come back and go to sleep before anybody was, you know, you know, because everyone was still at instruction. So it was another perk of the camp yeah, shopper job. Yeah. That's yeah. right. That's a pre-lunch, yeah. rest period, and then you're ready to go, you yeah. know. Who's going out tonight? <laughs> Who's out? Who's in? Who's out? Because I think you needed like one guy in, right? You sure. needed like one sure. guy to stay in and... Um, so yeah, that, that, those were th- those were the at that time. I mean, I know that it's probably a lot different now, but
0: yeah, we you know, we're just a little more structured. That's right. Well. Um, <laughs> but I was there was a bar. So in laws uh, was still the heyday when I started. I wasn't a big drinker when I started at camp. I didn't really drink, but then I kind of caught up, um, <laughs> and even to the point that like some of our guys were bartending. Yeah, and that was great. I mean, obviously that
1: works out. For that them. was a perk. You know. They had good pizza there, by the way. Yes. They had good pizza at in-laws, and the bartenders. the The, the bouncer was name was Swamp.
0: Yes, <laughs> I don't think I met Swamp, but I heard. I yeah. heard a lot about Swamp.
1: Do, you, do they still have trip day?
0: Oh, we still have trip day. We don't walk to town or anything. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs>
1: so that was like the best part of it. Like, so what you'd do is they would give you like a slip of paper that would come on the bottom of the medicine man and remember they used to like print the medicine man on like a like a ditto machine right and it would like smell like that like the ditto paper would smell right and at the bottom and it would be like wet when it came to your you know you, you get back from lunch for rest period and there was a medicine man like oh did i make the medicine man you know and and so you so you'd fill out like what you wanted to do and it was it was like you know hike hike to the Clearwater General Store. You would basically walk on the side of Highway 45, you know, to the general store where you could purchase one item and, you know, you could have an ice cream bar and then you'd have to walk back. Or biking. They had these old rickety bikes with like banana seats and they were, they were like rusted. I'm pretty sure that they didn't put them inside. Sure. And <clears throat> they used to have like, you could bike. And they had like one, you know, the bikes had one gear. You could barely make it out of the, the camp before you were exhausted and forget about driving down Meadow Lake Road right, the where there's that huge hill. It's brutal, right? So you could bike, you could do that. You could go on rowboats. <laughs> and they would basically give you like a cooler filled with cold cuts, sure. right? And you would go on a rowboat to some island or something and they, you would get off and have a, you know, have a cookout or whatever and you'd eat like salami sandwiches it's
0: just for exhaustion like just do something until you're exhausted yes yeah. that's, that's all the other trips that's right
1: it's exactly right you know but there again as like you know cool and macho as camp was in terms of you know sports people did that stuff right, right. they participated in circus day right sure. <laughs> <laughs> and they like participated in that stuff. So it's just really interesting if you think about it, how you, you know, I, I, I can hardly get my kids to go run errands with me. These guys were able to get people to sing, you know, chorus songs, um, you know, sing in the mess hall. I mean, they, they used to have these clipboards and they had, um, they had um, song sheets. And after the meal, sometimes they would be like, Okay, we're gonna pass out the song sheets, and you would be like singing your grand old flag, right? My wife is like, How do you know all these songs? How do you know the fight songs to every college? I was like, That's all we did, right? I mean, that's all we did. And like, you know, then it would it would evolve into the week starts now and everyone was going crazy and you know, again, nothing but nothing but good memories.
0: That's one of the best trivial things about all camp guys can sing all the Big Ten fights. Totally, like no problem. You know, Michigan, whatever. Just that's go, right. Go, go, go. That's and, right. Uh, people, that's so weird I don't know it's
1: just can. how do you know these show tunes well they used to make me stand up there and sing these songs that like Elliot and Paul would pick out you yeah, know right. and they'd be like okay this year you know we're gonna sing the Phantom of the Opera and none of these kids you know none of us knew what that was but right. they're like oh we're just gonna sing it because the parents will like it yeah. right and then,
0: and then a lot of the guys ended up
1: going that was fun yeah was all right yeah, all right, whatever. yeah whatever okay <laughs> what are we doing tomorrow right
0: exactly exactly well uh so, you're grown-up now. Uh, yeah. Long past your camp career. and uh, Sadly. Seems like things are going okay.
1: Yeah. <laughs> things are I mean, good. Things, things are, are good. A great family. A great family. family. It's Seattle's good. Awesome. Seattle's
0: awesome. Um, how would you say that your going to Camp Ojibwe influenced your life?
1: I'm a physician, so at at heart, I'm a scientist, right? And there's actually... And so, we live in a data-driven world, right? And, and I was listening to the camp story on... Um, on NPR, they had a whole thing on summer camp on This American Life, right? And it's funny because that it, it's it, once you when you get download a podcast, sometimes it just embeds itself somewhere in like your music, and sure. it like occasionally will come up, and I'd be like, oh yeah, you shuffle your right. right? you're like, I oh trust. This American Life, yeah. And so, but they, they had this whole thing on on summer camp, and what they you know what they tended to what they were the point that they were trying to make was that the kids who have gone to camp they grew up and they somehow become very independent, um, uh, quickly. And, and of course, a lot of that's based on, you know, kind of what you've had to go through in your life and how your parents are and this, yeah. that, and the other. But, um, you know, for me, again, it, I have to, I have been in many situations where I haven't known anybody, have not known, don't know a soul. And I think it's allowed me to, um, really, um, easily assimilate into those situations. So, you know, and, and the, the reason, for that is again i had this group of friends and they were completely different than the people you know that i hung out with every single day of the year and i would go there and kind of you know not know what they had done for an entire year and uh, not know anybody and then just you know been able to do that and you know, I have moved um, uh, around the country multiple times. I mean, I've been through multiple schools and training programs and all sorts of all sorts of things. And for me, that's you know really um, you know having that experience very early on in my life. Um, and having to repeat that every year, right. Um, that, that to me has, has kind of, I think greased the wheels to make it easier for me to, to do that in multiple, uh, different instances throughout, you know, my lifetime. And, and so, you know, I think that there is some truth to that, right. You can, you know, you got to go there and you kind of got to figure it out, right. Um, right going to college where there was, you know, another form of kind of communal living that you weren't in your house. That was cake, man. You know, I mean, that, that was easy, right? right? Because you'd been to camp, right? It was just kind of an extension of, you know, it was a little bit of a, you're you're without your parents and you got to figure things out and you got to work stuff out. And, you know, it it kind of prepares you for, for those, um, uh, you know, that time in your life. Yeah,
0: for sure. All right, man. Well, thank you, sir. Cool. Thanks for coming.
1: Absolutely. This is great.
0: Okay, that is it. Another one in the books, Andy Ross. What you don't see in the podcast, because it doesn't have pictures, is that he has a beautiful, uh, one of those red satin Campo Jibwa jackets from the 80s. It's still in perfect shape. It happens to be in my size. So uh, maybe one of these days I'll uh, I'll talk him out of it. But I wish we could still get those. Anyway, that's it for Andy. It was a great time. Uh, Hoping to see him again soon. Maybe at the OJ90 party. That's right, OJ90.com. Check all that information out again next May 6th, 2017 at the Wheeling Weston. It's going to be amazing. Uh, If you want to get in touch with the podcast, as always, you know how. Drop me an email, Christopher at Campojibahistory.org. Or, of course, just drop by the website, www.Campojibahistory.org. The days at camp are winding down. I think I'm going to be lucky enough to do one more from camp. Uh, But for now, I'm going to go out by the lake, enjoy the sunshine, and have a cigar.